0: the Tanya as we know it right now is analyzing the characters of three people. Three people which the Talmud calls tzaddik, Benoni, Rasha. Righteous, average, wicked. And over the months that we've spent together we've come to learn that although Talmudically or halachically, classically the definitions of these are very, very straightforward A tzaddik being majority good as soon as you're 51% on the good side you're a tzaddik 51% on the bad side you're evil and 50-50 you're the benodim we've come to discover the mystical esoteric definition of these terms where it's a completely different ballgame. it's not a, a checklist measuring your deeds but in fact who you are and the level of your relationship with God and as we've come to know them, and this is the way we've described it, the tzaddik is what we call the inspired Jew. He's passionate, consistently, in love with God. It's never-ending. The barbecue was turned on and it never. there's nothing to stop it. There's one force and one force only that's guiding his life, and that is his intense relationship with Hashem. Being a tzaddik is a gift. We're not. We can't. Typically, we can't become a tzaddik. You're either born with the potential to be it, or you're not. But it's there, so we have the context of where Jews stand. That's the inspired Jew. The Tanya spends a total of one chapter on in the inspired Jew, because the Alter Rebbe knows that we're not tzaddikim. The opposite extreme is the Russia, and Russia doesn't mean you're wicked it doesn't mean you're evil. We call the Russia in these classes, we call them the compromise Jew. Compromise on your values even once and you're already in the Russia spectrum because compromise means weakness and weakness means you've given in to temptation. So, even one time already classifies you as Russia, multiple times for sure. But that's the compromise, Jew. How many, on? How many chapters did we have on that? One chapter. Interesting. There's yes. A lot more than yeah, Tzadik. that's true. But one chapter for the Tzaddik, one chapter for the Russia. Starting at chapter twelve, all we're going to talk about Benoni. is the Beinoni. Beinoni literally means average, but as we've come to see, there's nothing average about the Beinoni. It's South African. It's a South It's a, <laughs> a, <place laughs> like a town and like couple so so more inside jokes. All right. <laughs> 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 yes. So <laughs> the Botany, though. The Beinuni is called the average man because not so much that he's average, it's very difficult to be a Beinuni, but because he's in the middle between a tzaddik and a Russia. He's not inspired, he doesn't have passion, he's not engaged in a love relationship with Hashem. On the other hand, he's not a Russia because he never, ever compromises. Now imagine that. Inside he's torn. Inside he experiences temptation, he experiences urge, he experiences lust, like every one of us. That's what puts him in our, ball, in our, in our playing field. That Sadiq is in a different world. He doesn't have the other voice. The Benoni, the middle man, has the voice, but he never gives in. And this is the hero of the Tanya. And this, the Alter Rebbe, Shneer Zalman of Liadi, who wrote the Tanya, posits that everyone can reach. Chapter 14, remember that before Pesach. The reality of the Benoni is the reality of everyone. And even if you can't live there constantly, but we can live there for five minutes. We can live there for a moment. We can get in touch with the center, the anchor of our being, align with who we are at our inner core. And for five minutes, no compromises. Once we introduce the personality of the Beynoni, we never leave him. Because the Tanya is the book for the Beynoni. And the Beynoni really gets unpacked and studied and analyzed, psychoanalyzed. And we get to the, to the core of how the Beynoni operates and how all the puzzle pieces come together so that we could each find the part of the Beynoni that we can adapt into our lives. Number one we've come to see and this is just a quick review. Chapters 12 and 13, we've come to see that the Benoni, although he's not inspired, he requires a, a, a time space in his day where he is fully invested. He's got to light the fire really hot at maybe the beginning of the day, typically his davening, the Benoni's prayer time. That's his time to tune in and then he has to survive the rest, like the surfing we talked about, right? You ride the wave and survive Survive the, the 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 rest of it. So he rides the wave of davening and survives the day. That's number one. And then, starting at chapter fifteen, we we, we talked about two weeks ago that broadly there are three types of benoni, three types of people that achieve and maintain benoni status benoni status means not passionate but never compromise and we said that there's going to be three of them chapter 15 was the benoni by nature that's the guy who doesn't struggle the 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 incredibly boring benoni he's the guy the bookworm cold to lust material pleasures don't appeal to him so he has it easy i mean if we had that blend we also wouldn't do anything wrong because Nothing's Be nothing pushing to us. We nothing to do. Like the, uh, I think, I think I said the joke at, at the time, right? With The guy that comes to the doctor and he goes, uh, "Doc, I, I don't eat carbs, I don't do anything, I, I don't eat fatty foods, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't do anything. Will I live long?" Doctor says, "What for?" <laughs> so the. the That's the boring Benoni. And the altar Rebbe had a message for him. We talked about that in chapter 15. You gotta fight, you gotta gotta expand your limits, make sure you're struggling somewhere, create tension in your life. Humanity is defined by tension. Then chapter 16 was last week's chapter, the ideal Benoni. The Benoni who achieves and maintains his status by the use of the mind. And we spent a long time talking about how the mind influences behavior and Danny was very uh, reminding us about the steps here. Study, think, feel, and do. First, study. People don't study. It's just opening the books, learning the information, processing more intellectual ideas. Then, and this was the important one, think. Think, reflect, not because you want clarity, but because you have clarity. You already know the idea, and now you're letting it percolate so that it can filter into your psyche. That comes into feeling, and then the feeling influences the behavior. That's the ideal process by which the Benoni is supposed to achieve it. Not by nature. By nature, he's got everything pushing him towards the temptations. But he's able to engage the mind to the point that it's in control. And then, I misspoke last week because I said in chapter 17 we're going to discover the third Benoni, the Benoni who uses his godly soul, but in fact, that's going to be next week. Chapters 18 and 19. Chapter 17 is a digression on the ideal Benoni. So while we're on the topic of the ideal Benoni, the guy who uses his mind to influence his heart, to influence his actions, we get a chapter of closure. It's one of the shortest chapters in all of Tanya. But one of the most powerful. The Alter Rebbe takes us back to the title page. The very opening page of the Tanya. 17 weeks ago we talked about this when we were just starting out. The Alter Rebbe says the entire Tanya is based on the verse that Moses told the Jewish people the day before he passed. The last day of Moses' life. He gave him a review of the entire Torah. And then he said, I want you to know, the mitzvahs and the Torah that God commands you are not distant from you. They're not far removed from you. They're not across the sea. They're not in the heavens. Ki karov elecha me'od For the matter is close, very close to you, in your mouth, in your heart to do it. Torah and mitzvahs are close. It doesn't say they're easy, it says they're close. And the altar abbot said the entire Tanya comes to explain that verse. What needs explanation about that verse? What's wrong? Moses said the Torah is close to you, in your mouth, in your heart to do it. It's very close. So, the Altar of it doesn't explain the questions on the title page, but in chapter 17 he does when he closes this circle. He says, and I want you to just to picture, I, I wanted to print out papers before, but I didn't have time. Just to picture in your head three bullets. The Torah says it's close to you in your mouth, in your heart, to do it. Mouth, heart, deed. And I want you to get a picture under that. Mouth represents speech. Heart would represent thought, the mind. And doing would represent action. We've come to see in the beginning of the Tanya that every soul has three garments. That means three, three ways by which it communicates with the outside world thought, speech, and action. And what Hashem is basically saying is that. I'm not asking you to change the way you understand things. I'm not asking you to change the way you feel things. Your urges will be there. Your temptations will be there. But I do want to ask you for your thought, speech, and deed. Behaviorally, you should be mine. Behaviorally, you should be mine. Think things that are aligned with my will. Speak things that are aligned with my will. Do things that are aligned with my will. From that perspective... If that's what the verse is telling us, that it's close, it's nearby to engage our thought, speech, and action with God, the verse seems to be out of order. First it says speech, then it says thought, then it says action. Why, why is it thought if it's your heart? Like and that's the second question. And that is the second question. If it's talking about thought, why use the word heart? Heart is feeling. Heart's the seat of emotions. Yeah, I thought nobody would ask it, but <laughs> right up the yeah, the altar. But that's the the first two lines of chapter seventeen. But what what is this verse? If that's what Hashem is asking us to do, give us his thought, speed, speech and action. Why use the word heart? And why are they out of order? Thirdly, is it really close? Is it really easy? easy being you have to do all those Why are you conflating easy and close? Okay. I guess the Alter Rebbe's Chassidim thought that close means easy. They used to come into him and complain. They used to ask him. They used to say, look, I, I, I don't get I don't get it. Will the real me please stand up? I wake up in the morning. I'm inspired to Davin. I get in there, am I putting on my tefillin? I'm close. I'm 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 feeling godly. Then I take off my tefillin, and then I'm thinking, man, I gotta have a good breakfast. <laughs> you know? Donuts and the whole yeah, bacon and eggs, right? The thing. Steak, steak and eggs. Steak and eggs. And coffee. One second I'm feeling connected to my Judaism. The next second I just want to dump it. And they and they came to the altar rabbi and they said, We don't we don't understand ourselves. You gotta help us figure ourselves out. And the altar rabbi would answer them, guide them in his private audiences, but ultimately, as he said in the introduction, it became too time-consuming. There was too many people asking questions, and so he had to c- compose a book, author of the Tanya, which offered the answers to, these, to all the questions, all possible questions in the service of God. And so the fundamental questions are, is it really close to serve God with my heart's thought, speech, and action? And effectively, Effectively, what the Alter Rebbe says is encapsulated in a beautiful story that happened in 1954 with the Rebbe. The Rebbe became the Rebbe in 1951. So this is three years in. A young Rebbe, a very, it was very rare to have a black bearded Rebbe. Many people would express surprise in the 50s meeting the Rebbe, you know, a young man they thought a rebbe means, you know, flowing robes and the long white beard. Disconnected, the rebbe was extremely connected and engaged and young. So uh, there's many versions to this story. Forty-eight. Think about that, by the way. Just, 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 yeah. Think about that for a second. To start, to start a world career at forty-eight. This, like, we think at forty-eight we're done. Yeah. He's, he just got started at 48. Seven First meeting, yes. That's yeah. me, that's the most Penniless, homeless, and jobless Hasidim, And he said, guys, we're taking over the world, and nobody knew how it was going to happen, but he did. Look at us tonight. We're here. But 54, the Rebbe would take in private audiences in those years three times a week. And I have to have you understand this. 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. This is not a break for sleeping. Sunday nights, Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, 8 p.m. to 8 a.m., private audiences. 8 a.m. to 8 p.m.? No, 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. p.m. to 8 a.m.? So he didn't sleep? Oh, no. no. No, 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 he didn't sleep. Three, three days a week? Sunday three days a week. It later on became days two days nights. a week. When were the dollars on Sunday? The dollars happened much later, it's in the, in the 80s. How much did you cut every night? your DOB, 54. So, 54, anybody, huh? 59. <laughs> Just a joke. We're telling secrets tonight. I'm joking with you. <laughs> the Rebbe has an audience night, and there's a boy that's having bar mitzvah. In those days, boys that would have bar mitzvah would have the privilege to go in with their father for a private audience, one on one. Later, this became too time consuming for the Rebbe. The Rebbe made public audiences. So, bar mitzvah boys would come in by the tens. So 50 bar mitzvah boys came into the room and everyone would talk and then, but in the early years it was one-on-one and we have hundreds of precious stories of 13-year-old boys that went in and experienced something, a moment, but uh, there's one of them that I want to share tonight that really captures the heart of it. Not only religious boys used to go, you'd be surprised, not only Hasidic, you know, black hat public school children that were connected through Chabad. A lot of, lot of kinds of people would go to the Rebbe for, for this audience. 12-year-old boy comes in. He's having bar mitzvah in a month. And uh, not, not, you know, observing, not orthodox. And he thought, you know, coming into the Rebbe, it's a holy guy. Maybe we'll talk about Torah. He comes in. And the Rebbe starts asking him about his hobbies. And the kid says... If you know the story, touch your nose. The kid says baseball. He loves to watch professional baseball. And the Rebbe starts asking him about different things. How often does he go watch a game? What happens? Which team does he go for? da 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 And then the Rebbe said, what happens when you're at the game and the team you're rooting for is losing? It's the bottom of the fifth and it's 10 to zero. No points for your team. So the boy says, typically if that's the case, me and my dad, we go home. Nothing's, nothing to see here. And the Rebbe said, what about the players? What do they do? When it's the bottom of the fifth and they're losing 10 to zero, do they go home? He says, "Uh, no, they're, they're the players, I mean. They gotta stick it out to the end. Fight the fight to the very end. We're just watching. So we can come when we want, leave when we want. So the Rebbe has told him, you're becoming Bar Mitzvah. You're entering the ranks of Judaism. Be a player. Don't be a spectator, be a player. It's a deep, it's a very deep, it's inspiring. It sounds good, but it's a very deep concept. That's Rabbi Weiss today. Huh? That's today. That's Rabbi Weiss. Was that the story? It ends up that kid turned out to be Rabbi Oh, Weiss. no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I don't have any good uh, good endings like that, but it's yeah. it's be a player. So Weiss, right there you go. go. We'll ah, and then, we'll then he walks in. You Nowhere, know uh, you know baseball is in the Torah? Where is baseball in the Torah? So the first few words. It says in the beginning. the big inning. Nice. Nice. Big inning. Big inning. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Are you going to be here all week? So the alter ever wants to know, is it really close? Is it really close to be invested, fully maintain a lifestyle, Of thought speech and action fully controlled all the time or even for five minutes. So in effect what the Alter Rebbe tells the questioner is, if you're ready to be a player, yes it's close. And like you said before, it's not easy. Don't conflate easy and close. It's not easy. But the process is short. Follow the directions and it's there. And it's the directions of last week's chapter, The Mind. Study, think, feel, and do. If if you're ready to invest. The Bainodi, in order to survive, in order to maintain, in order to, to be engaged, you have to feel it. And we know this existentially. Forget religion. Where our passions lie, where our feelings are, is where we produce. Ask anybody. Right? Where is it that you succeed at? Well, where, I, where I'm passionate about. Where I'm ready to put in my all for it. If it's your kids, if it's relationship, if it's business, it doesn't matter for every person what it is. But it's where your passions are that you make it happen. So the Altar Abba says, yeah, it's not, you know, this is a discipline and you're going to need motivation to keep the discipline going. It's like the gym the discipline. Got to be motivated. The tzaddik, he's the guy, he's in love with God. He doesn't need any work or any effort. The benoni has got to, he's got to be invested somewhat emotionally. Not asking you for full investment, that's not going to work. But if, if you'll be dispassionate and I I always say that the the guy who says the sponsor who says the vart before the class we never talk about it before but it always connects and the the latter thing that you said in the beginning if you're not going up you're going down that is another central point in the chapter if you're going to remain dispassionate you will find yourself going down keep the passion up and the maintenance will work Not asking you to be a tzaddik, the highest level, but a basic level, somewhat, where you can develop a feeling, and that happens through study, think, feel, and do. Study or contemplate, which was the word we used last week, really reflecting. It's actually hashkachar pratit by divine providence this week the parsha the torah portion of the week is a uh, double portion actually but but one of them is is one of them is kedoshim it's uh, the, it's the, the portion with I think, second to the most mitzvahs in the entire torah and kedoshim the word literally means holy the, the opening verse is hashem says to the jewish people be holy because i am holy and the question is what's the yardstick for that what does it mean be holy and one of the many answers is, classic answer from the Ramban, Rahmanides, he says, if a person wants, I'll use the Hebrew language, it's great. He says, you could be a naval birshut ha Torah. You could be a scoundrel, there you go, with the permission of the Torah. In other words, there's loopholes enough that if you want, you could be following the Torah and be a complete idiot. <laughs> that's the better way to say it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and you, you and you work everything out. I got this. I got that. The rabbis told me that's okay. This is okay. And you could be, you could be a naval. It means a scoundrel. So that's a good translation. Birshut with the permission of the Torah. He says Hashem says. <clears throat> Be holy. Recognize that it's not just about the checklist or to tie it back to the chicken, the donations. It's not a thing where you say, I'm signing off this to Hashem, signing off that, I pay off all my dues and then I'm good. Be holy means recognize that it's, it's an innate thing. It's part of the being. It's, it's, it's got to it's be organic and developed in the ways that it becomes who you are. Let the Torah refine you. Let the lifestyle become a part of you. And it's the same thing here. If it's just going to be bland, so it's not going to work. But if you're ready to be a player, if you're ready to invest, even minimally, remember, the 80-year project is not going to work. We we know that at a certain time. we, We come to discover that. We can't be perfect for the next 80 years. But the five-minute increments, 20-minute increments, five-second increments, if that's what it takes for us, we can be if, not to use the pig here, but if we decide to make a commitment. (laughs) You can think about it this way. If Judaism is mechanical, it's going to break down. it's going to break down. There's only a certain amount of time you can push the machine. Truth always comes out in the end. Huh? Truth always comes out in the end. Think. There's gotta be some heart. Some, some heart. You know, there was a great, uh, there's a great chassid. This is, this is days gone by. I, I wish I could have met these people and when I, when I read about them, you know, they they, they they bring up in me these feelings. The previous Labavitcher Rebbe was a prolific writer, prolific writer. Because of him we have access to his, hundreds of years of history of Hasidism. He he recorded whatever he heard from his grandmother and his grandfather and all Hasidim and all everybody. He, he collected stories and he wrote down and he says he was once, uh, I think maybe he was 17 or 18. He was just married. Young, young man, just married. And it uh, must have been Kislev time. Maybe uh, the 9th, I think it was the 9th of Kislev, which is the day that the second Lubavitcher Rebbe uh, birthday. Birthday and passing on the same day. So it's a big day in Chabad. And there was an exclusive Farbringin. It was a Shabbos. It was an exclusive Farbringin that his father, the Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, held with some of his closest followers. And just for some context, the Rebbe, we said, was 48 when he became Rebbe. The Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Rebbe, was 21. He was younger than most of his, most of his followers. And remind me, next week, he said, there's a great story about that that ties into next week's chapter. But... Yeah. He was... He was um, very young Tzadik, born a Rebbe very young and he's sitting around the table on the Shabbos and it's all the chassidim are there they told stories and it went it went deep into the night you know, Shabbos ended in Russia whatever it was winter time maybe 5 o'clock this goes to 6 to 7 to 8 o'clock and each chassid is doing his thing telling their stories contributing in their ways at eight, nine o'clock, the Fabringen ends. But it's, it's, you know, Shabbos. Shabbos just came out. You still got a David myrov So, everybody got, they did a minion, they Davin Meiruv, and uh, everybody went home. But the free the previous Revitas, I noticed this one guy didn't go home. There was one chassid that didn't go home. And, uh, he was Davening apparently with great fervor, or passion, and so the previous leba, leba, the previous left. He came back at about ten o'clock and he was still Davening. And he decided to wait it out. Now he wouldn't have patience for this, but he waited it out till about twelve o'clock. This man was Davening Myra for four hours, crying bitter tears, clearly, you know, engaged in something with Hashem. So after he finishes, turns around and he sees the previous Rebbe is waiting there and wants to talk with him. And I'm forgetting the exact uh, exchange, what happened there, but basically he asked him, you know, what, what's, what, what's this great tears all about? And he said that uh, there were so many ideas being shared around the table, so many great stories. He says, you know, the fact that I didn't internalize the ideas, the intellectual stuff, I'm not surprised at. I'm not a big genius, I'm not a big intellect. So. I didn't catch it, but the fact that I wasn't touched by the stories, this broke my heart. And he said, Which means in Yiddish, everybody deserves a little Jewish heart. It's like, I, I, I should feel something, you know? I deserve a little bit. This is our man, the Bainani. He goes, I don't feel Hashem. I'm not a tzaddik. I'm not constantly engaged. But don't I deserve something? You know, give, me, give me a little something. And the Altair Rebbe says, yes, you do deserve something. And you do have something. And just put in the effort. Put in the investment. The final 10 lines of the chapter are the flip side to this. And just before I go there, is there any questions or comments coming from around the table? A lot of people sitting around the table who are not there yet, and they listen to everything you say, and they nod it, and they're saying... Good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. But what? What, is, what is the push? Them there. Mmm. <coughs> what was last it's week's lesson? Study, right. Right. Learn, study, and do, right? study think, Semetic. feel, and do. Mm. What's the push? What's the push? A lot of guys here who are nodding Great. and they It sounds fantastic. It sounds amazing yeah yeah so you know <laughs> not right it's an you one of them hmm yeah. yeah. okay get it, maybe, it maybe he means all of us <laughs> yeah no, you know it, who th- have there was they're here tonight yeah. let's honor that if yeah, everyone, yeah, says, it's, it's, it's yeah they showed up them, right. What is, what is kind of when, when you go from <coughs> the theory to the action? Yes, theory to the. I love that. Okay. How did you know that was my next thing? Um, you told me before. <laughs> you did speak before. That's true. <laughs> very very important question. <laughs> you know, you, you just uh, on, on what uh, on what Dennis said that you know we're all asking the same question. Is a great is a, is a great anecdote from the fourth Rebbe of Chabad. Somebody once came into to our private audience with him, and uh, he had a thing on his heart. He he did a, a sin, but he was embarrassed to admit it. So he came into the he came into the fourth Rebbe of Chabad's room, and he said, um, "Look, I have a friend <laughs> who did." <laughs> Going to use I have a friend. That's where it started. <laughs> yeah, he says right. no. He, he, I'm asking for a friend. Another yeah, friend. I'm I asking know for a friend. He says I have a friend who did uh, this and this, and he, he was too embarrassed, and he, he just he asked me if I could ask for uh, forgiveness for what I have to do to fix it. So the Rebbe Maharash, the fourth Rebbe with a twinkle in his eye, he said to him, "I don't get it." Why did your friend have to send you to come inside? (laughs) Your friend could have come in and said, I'm asking for a friend. (laughs) 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 That's great. I don't know what happened afterwards if he admitted it, but it was a, it was a, it was a humorous thing where he said, in other words, yeah, stop. Call him out. Yeah. Fill in a nice way, though. Yeah. Fill in the blank. Stop. Uh, yeah. Why did you have to come in? Great line. Why did you have to come in and ask for a friend? Let your friend come in and say he's asking for a friend. <laughs>
1: but yeah but, but, the is, but the truth is
0: but the truth yeah. is Gary that, that everybody is asking that question everybody does want to know that so here's the here's the other side <coughs> here's the other side of it what I guess we could call more practical that, that, the side that we that we relate to more where the Altar Abba says What happens if a person who's trying to live the Benoni status makes a mistake? I know we've said a lot of times a Benoni never makes a mistake. But that's the Benoni who lives on the level of the Benoni. What about the guy who's just trying to achieve the reality? He wants to make five-minute sessions. Benoni Jr. Benoni Jr., yes. (laughs) We just coined the term tonight. (laughs) L'chaim to that. I'm going to be referencing that. Wow, Benoni Jr. Love that. Nah. <laughs> Benoni Jr. So he's a little bit up, a little bit down. He's making some mistakes. The author of it tells him and we, we've talked about this in the past once that uh, the nature of compromise is that compromise begets compromise. Weakness begets weakness. Right? Have to with terrorists. Right. Mm-hmm. Same, same theory. Mm-hmm. E- what? I'm sorry? It, it's the military. Have to compromise thing. compromise with terrorists. Yes. You, know? right. you, you know, negotiate you, with terrorists. Yeah. Negotiate. Negotiate. You, yeah. negotiate. you give a finger, they want a hand, this is the thing. Yeah. So, same with yourself. And again, let's forget religion. This is a basic human tenet. We're trying to achieve a goal. you give given once, you're on a pattern. So what happens is then that the weakness then desensitizes you. You know, the first time you do something wrong, you feel disgusting, right? Second time, you, it's a bitter taste in the mouth. Third time, you're just flowing with it. It's kind of just comes natural. So the Alter Rebbe says that if you, if you catch yourself making a mistake, and making a mistake here doesn't mean, uh, the word sin sounds very, you know, uh, evil. Let's not even use, let's just use the word compromise. It's a good word. You find yourself compromising on your own values, especially in the context of Jewish values. Torah and mitzvah is what you're supposed to be doing. So he says, don't jump the gun. Don't give up on yourself that fast. It's true. We've talked about the principle of one compromise brings to another, but that's true of he calls them in this chapter, Rishayim Be'emet. Which is true, true Rishayim. They're, they're so in it that uh, he says, he borrows a Talmudic term. He says, they're in the, they're in the possession of their hearts. Their hearts aren't at all, you know, they, they, don't, they don't own the heart. They're in the possession of the heart. That's those guys. You find yourself slipping once, climb back up again. He uses Kabbalistic form, which uh, which we'll, we'll, we'll expound on more later chapters, but he, he talks about what's called the lower level of tshuva. Tshuva, return to God, has two connotations. Sometimes it means recreating relationship, repairing relationship. Sometimes it just means decisions. Kind of like with your wives, right? It's, sometimes it just requires... A good decision, and sometimes you gotta retrofit and repair the relationship. It's a different level. Or with kids, or with business partners, or wherever you wanna translate it. But he says one mistake, all it requires is resolution, another decision, get back on track. Kabbalistically, just, just to keep it, sh- keep it tight. But I, 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 do want to give you the whole, the whole chapter. So, kabbalistically, the Alter Rebbe introduces the concept of Galut Hashchina, the Shchina's exile. See, Hashem, of course, is not bound by any rules, but he des- decided to subject himself to the following limitation: He only allows himself to be expressed in the world to the extent that we allow it. This is embedded in creation. Hashem decided that. He's not going to be screaming from the consciousness of every being. You're going to look at salmon and you're going to think okay. it's salmon unless you decide... Was that last time, Philip? The altar ebbe and the salmon? That was... Yeah, that's, I think that's when you the sponsored the salmon. Sea bass? The sea bass? Yes, when we found Hashem in the salmon that night. That was a big thing. Yes. Okay. Tables will be tables. Clothes will be clothes. They're, they're not going to scream godliness except to the extent that we allow it. And because of that, the Zohar says, when a person does a sin, in effect, he's putting the God, the godly presence, in exile. Just like exile or jail is defined by the fact that you can't decide your level of self-expression. So Hashem's jail is that now he loses the rights to his self-expression because we've trapped him in a box. And kabbalistically, this is called the defragmentation of Hashem's name. Hashem's name kabbalistically has four letters, yud and a hey and a vav and a hey. When a person sins, what's called the defrag, or you fragment it. The hey gets separated from the other three letters. It's an esoteric context. And basically, you're trapping the hey in a box. But, well, it's like a box too, yeah. But it's just one step off. You can come right back, recover, get right back on track. And when you do, the minute that you do, you're back in resolution. We're not talking about the far guys. They've they have a different thing. They need a different book. The Tanya is a book for the for the Benoni. But us, we don't fail because we don't care. Even if uh, we struggle with being Benonis, right? And we all do. Let's not even pretend. So, but when we fail, it's not because we don't care. It's either because we don't know or because the things aren't set up right. Ask any person on a diet or trying to maintain a discipline. When you wake up in the, in the wrong mood, that's when it's the hardest to, to be in control. Or when something happens and goes wrong, you're having a bad day. It, these things could, could really you know, derail uh, a consistency or a pattern that you had going. So, typically, we don't fail because of lack of care. We fail because of other reasons. And they're not all beyond our control, but they're justifiable. And so from that, from that context, the Alter Rebbe says, we're not those true Russias that have no conscience. We do have a conscience. And because of that, we can jump right back on the bandwagon of whatever it is we're trying to achieve. If we're trying to achieve the five-minute Benoni, okay, yesterday you gave in, boom, back on track. The ten-minute Benoni, the five-second, doesn't matter. Pick it up and get right back. And the, 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 uh, the headline is, it's close. Kikarov. Not easy, but it's close. It's right there. It's just... Uh... But is, is your... Well, of course. Yeah. There, 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 there has to be... Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a feeling of, of negativity. Sure. What is your identity? At what point do you identify who you are? Yeah, that's a, difficult, that's a difficult question. And the answer to that, we're, we're going to get to in later chapters, but it, it's, uh, it's difficult. Ultimately, we have to ask ourselves, who are we? We're making mistakes. we're hopping back on, we're making mistakes, we're hopping back on. It's like a lifetime of bouncing back and forth. Like, when do we get to figure out, you know, where, where, where I stand? And we don't always figure it out. I'll spoil that for you. We don't always figure it out. Sometimes we live the battle. We live the battle. But we have to live the battle. Don't die the battle. Acknowledge it, live it, embrace it. Instead of giving giving in. Whatever it is that you're, it's too much struggle. So I'm just gonna stop fighting. It's, it's, stay the course. And I'll just conclude with a story. Somebody once went to the Alter Ebe, writer of the Tanya. <coughs> And he said, I have such a powerful lust for negative things. I find that when I'm tempted, there's a fire that gets lit inside of me, and I just can't control it. I find myself so disproportionately passionate about these negative things, and it it bothers me. The Altar Abbas said, can I ask you a question? Two wagons. Okay, today we can do Teslas, maybe? <laughs> okay. There's two two wagons. Two horses leading the wagons. Mm-hmm. One horse, slowpoke. I'm paraphrasing. Okay. Another horse, robust, well-formed, fast-running. Mm-hmm. Huh? Stallion. Stallion both travelling and both veered off the road they both veered off the road he says which horse do you want to be they're both going to get lost which horse do you want to be the slow guy or the fast guy so the guy says of course i want to be the slow guy slow guys not going to get as lost how far can he walk in an hour before he realizes he's off the track? The altar says, you have it wrong. You want to be the fast horse. Because as soon as you realize you're off the track, the fast horse will be back in a jiffy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>